Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Building the Board, as today we keep moving with a few more big uglies now talking about the defensive side of the ball. We're talking edge rushers with Quentin Crisco and Jacob Infante. So I'll send things over to Jacob and Q, and they'll take us through the rest. Sounds good, Robert. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, This is a really interesting group of defensive linemen, both interior and off the edge. Uh, We're going to start things off today by looking at the edge rushers. And uh, I'm personally really excited about this class. I think that, you know, just narrowing it down to 10 guys isn't going to do it justice, but uh, we're going to do our best and we're going to have a lot of other guys that uh, we're, I'm sure going to be able to cover in the coming weeks and months, but uh, I'm sure you're with me, but I'm a very big fan of this class. Yeah. I actually, I have a a question for you as the, the more seasoned scout in the room. Um, so I'm finding myself just torn on a lot of these guys. Cause like, you know, for the last, since what, 20, 2015, I think that's when John Fox came right to the bears 2015 since 2015, I've been looking at edge rushers as just like any, any and all of them are on the table. Right. And this year it's like, I'm bears haven't played in a four, three since I was, just out of college like that was that was a while ago (laughs) like before I probably knew football as well as I do now I'm just sitting here and there's some guys I love that are like 250 pounds listed which you know who knows if they're actually 250 some of them I think might be closer to 230 and it's like I love their tape I love their bend but all their good plays are coming from a stand-up position where they can get speed to power with that running start and so how do you how do you kind of weigh that with what the Bears scheme is now with a four man front and kind of deal with that? Because I I've had a hard time with it. I'm sitting here like I love Will McDonald, but he'll never work in this scheme. Yeah, no. And I think that's a good point. Uh, honestly, with this defense, this is just the way I view it, that I think it's easier for a four three end to transition to a three four than it is for a three four to transition to a four three. Uh, and at least with this edge rushing class, you know, it's a really deep group and the bears are lucky in that case where, all right, there are a few guys who don't necessarily fit the scheme super well, but they'll go ahead. And then that's still going to leave some really good value down the stretch. So I don't know exactly who's going to go where, uh, we'll find that out in due time, but I think you can, there's some guys you can look at as, all right, this isn't the best scheme fit for us right now, but at what point are we going to look at? pure value over just the scheme fit because the bears aren't, you're not going to, like you mentioned, you're not going to take Will McDonald in the first round uh, because I mean, one, he's not an early first round player and two, he's not a great scheme fit for the bears. 
but you're looking at a Will Anderson, someone who you know many people think is the best pure player in this class. Uh, then you're looking at someone where you're like, okay, maybe he's not the best fit in this scheme, but the talent outweighs that to the point where you start to consider him for the Chicago defense. Yeah. And so say that you, you take a guy who's like 245 or so, and yeah. the worry is, you know, he can't, he can't play every down. He can't play on running downs just because they're going to run straight at him and he just will not have the anchor to hold up against it. So does that basically just make a guy like a, a situational pass rusher when you're taking him at that point where you're just going to put him wide nine and make him into Mark Anderson for the bears. If you remember Mark Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's, that's definitely the type of vibe you're getting with some of those smaller edge rushers. Uh, there's some dudes that I'd love on day three who kind of fit that mold where they're smaller, but they're just so explosive and they can get to the quarterback so well that, they're not going to play every down, but they can rush the passer well enough that they can at least play in this defense. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, Mark Anderson, that's a great shout, honestly. Uh, <laughs> he was like right when I was first getting into football, like that rookie year that he had where he just absolutely tore it up. Yeah. So, that, uh, was, uh, that was when I was in high school, but I'm a lot older than you, Jacob. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's kick things off here. Uh, let's just dive right into it. The guy we've mentioned before, uh, Will Anderson out of Alabama. He's an edge rusher that you know I'm very high on. He's the top player on my board. I look at a guy. I mean, obviously the collegiate production speaks for itself. And you're looking at he had like what 17 and a half sacks and over 30 tackles for a loss in 2021. Like that in itself is absurd. And even in 2022, he was very productive when he faced, you know, more chip blocks, more double team looks, uh, you know, a lot of more attention from opposing offenses. And I watch Anderson. I see, yeah, he's a bit small, at least for a 4-3 defensive end like the Bears would need. But he's so fast. He's so flexible. He plays his butt off. Uh I don't want this to get demonetized. I don't know how, you know, strict YouTube is with all that. But anyway, uh, very flexible, very fast, uh, quick hands, plays really hard. Uh, and he's got a deep arsenal of pass rushing moves. And for someone who's a bit smaller for an edge rusher, I don't think he's necessarily terrible against the run. And he, he's someone who's not going to be the best at setting the edge from, you know, a three-point stance or whatever. But – he works hard and for someone with his frame, he has good proportional strength. So I don't think speed to power is ever going to be his strength. If he gets drafted into a four, three, I don't think setting the edge is going to be his biggest strength. If he gets into a four, three, but I think the ceiling with him is phenomenal. And at that point, he's not the best scheme fit out there for the bears, but he might just be the best player in this draft. And at that point, I don't think that's something that, you should overlook just because, oh, he's a little bit small. So, uh, Q, I'm curious, what do you think about Will Anderson? So, I think Will Anderson's the safest player in this draft. I think he is the highest floor-ceiling combo yeah. in the entire class because I, I think his floor is, you know, he's going to start. He's going to start wherever he goes. I think he's going to be so a solid starter. But his ceiling is still probably like an all pro level player, which you don't get that combination very often. Like I love Jalen Carter, but I don't think he's on that same scale where his, if he bottoms out, he's still just a starter in the league. Um, now Anderson was 
Man, so I did not watch much college football this year. Um, and so when I – or last year, really. But so when I when I first started watching Anderson, it was like, you know, fresh eyes. And, yeah. and I'd heard all this stuff about him and been like, you know, all the hype about him. And the first watch, I was a little underwhelmed, I'll be honest. Um, and a lot of that is just because I think – I got this idea built up in my head that he was this explosive game wrecker. And that's not really what I saw on tape. I saw a guy who's a good athlete, good speed, but he's just a technician through and through. He knows his craft. He does his, he does it well. He has a full toolbox and really his, his technique combined with his, uh, his quickness, his change of direction keeps offensive linemen off balance and keeps him in control, which makes up for some of that size, I think, so that, that size issue that you see. So you never see him end up in positions that he doesn't want to be in, you know? And that's that's huge when you're, you're lacking that size, like he is, for, for at least a 4-3 defensive end. So, I mean, I think it's clear, and I think just about everyone agrees, he's a top-five pick this yeah. year, and it's, it's a no-brainer. But um, I do not think he is the most physically gifted edge rusher in this class like I was kind of led to believe coming in by my own you know own buying into what I was seeing yeah no I think that's totally fair and there are a lot of edge rushers in this class that are you know athletic freaks that we're going to get to here but uh no I'm with you I think Anderson from an athleticism perspective he's up there uh but when you combine athleticism and size and strength I think there are a few guys who are probably going to end up with better RAS's uh, relative athletic score for those who don't know, but yeah, I, I agree. Anderson's a top five pick. Uh, if the bears are on the clock at one and they, for some reason, can't find a trade back. Uh, I'd personally go Anderson very close. Honestly, I love Jalen Carter, but, and we'll get to him in a different video. Mm -hmm. So that's uh don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but yeah, uh, Anderson's a stud and uh, I'll let you, dig into our next guy here. Cause I know that you, you probably watched more of him than I have, you know, considering your, uh, your allegiance to Texas tech. Oh yeah. This is my dude right here. I'm, I'm looking sitting here looking for my notes. I don't need my notes to talk about Tyree Wilson. <laughs> like that's like, you just, you just talked about, there's going to be some real physical freaks who have like the best Raz scores we've ever seen. That's Tyree Wilson. Yeah. Guy's got a seven foot, like five wingspan. He stands six feet, six inches. Like, I, I think he's something around 280 pounds. I, I don't remember exactly, but, um, and he's, he's nowhere near his ceiling. I mean, he, he reminds me and I, I don't want to get too much into the comparison game, but he just reminds me so much of um, Indy's three tech. What's his name from he was with San Francisco to Forrest Buckner coming yeah. out of college where like, their size was so similar. Their skill set is so similar to what DeForest Buckner was at Oregon. And even I, I pulled up their stats just to look. And obviously, you know, you don't have the same advanced stats from when DeForest Buckner was at Oregon as you do today. So it was pretty yeah. standard stats like sacks and tackles for loss. Yeah. But they're they're really similar. <laughs> and I mean, it's it's a little eerie to me how, how similar I think these guys are. Like, I think Wilson's a guy you could plug in at three tech with a little added weight. I don't know if that's the best role for him. I, I don't know if that was the best role for Buckner either, but I think 
it's a super high ceiling with Tyree Wilson. He is his reach just goes for days. And one thing that I think is huge with him that um, pride doesn't get mentioned as much is we've seen the zone read become such a key part of offenses in the NFL. And in college, he's a guy who just wiped out zone read. Like a big way you take out edge rushers is running zone read at him, right? Making them the read man, putting them in conflict. In college, that didn't really work on Wilson because he was so long. He could play both guys. Now, obviously, the game's going to get faster at the NFL level, but it's still going to make the margin for error that much thinner. And it's just – I love this guy. I could talk about him for an hour. Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard not to fall in love with the tools that Tyree has. And, I mean, you mentioned, like, the length. uh, The the length is just bad. Uh, which is, you know, that's what stands out really is just his pure size when he's out there, you know, very good athlete, uh, high motored, powerful type of guy. He's been productive at the collegiate level. You know, he can play three tech. He can play four tech, four eye, stand up edge, you know, hand in the dirt, five tech, whatever you can. I feel like I agree where you put, you could put Tyree at three tech at the next level, but that might not be the best fit for him. The one thing that I'm a bit concerned with is uh, the center of gravity with him. I think it's a you know too high at this point, and that's somewhere somewhere I'd like to see him improve where he gets his weight underneath him, maybe a little bit more flexibility in the knees and ankles, uh, because I think once he gets that down, it's game over for the rest of the league. Yeah, because you know just the sheer physical tools that he has, the length, the power, the size, the quickness. Uh, it, it's just impressive. And he stood out like crazy on that Texas tech defense. So I think he's going to, he's going to end up a top 10 pick. I feel pretty confident in that. Yeah. I Whether actually, I, I, I love him for the bears defense and what they need. Yeah. And I realized as, as you started talking, I didn't talk about any weaknesses on him. Oh, uh, <laughs> and it's pretty similar. I think his base, he tends to get way too narrow in his yeah. base. He's just, he's raw. He is raw. I, I don't think, there's a big question about that because he's never he's never played a single position you yeah. know i don't know that tech put him in his best positions uh in the last two years i think he he was playing all over the place but he never settled in on a spot yeah i'm curious to see so our, our next guy that I, that I want to dig into is miles murphy out of clemson i want to see with where you're at right now uh who do you have higher tyree wilson or miles murphy I got Tyree Wilson quite a bit higher than Miles Murphy. I mean, I got Miles Murphy as I'll just, I'll just go ahead and on him. Um, He's a first round pick. I think he's a high floor. His, his physical ability is right there with most guys. He's not going to, you know, be the, be the quickest change of direction or anything, but his his size, strength, explosiveness, kind of port, I guess, how would you call it? Mix combination is just, It's it's very nice, and it's something that is gonna gonna play well in the NFL. Now, I just I don't know how much, and yeah, Clemson's D line is weird to watch, man. Because oh, yeah. you see all these guys, and you're like, oh, I'm excited. I'm gonna watch some dudes today, and they just kind of they're not doing a whole lot. Like they're doing enough. They're they're good, but they're not dominating anything. And you're just kind of left there saying like, I don't know what to think about these guys now. Yeah. And that's, that, that's where I'm kind of at with miles Murphy. Like I want to say he should have a really high ceiling, but watching the tape, it's like, I, I start to question whether he does. Cause like his hand placement is fine. 
he gets a little tall sometimes, but I don't think it's that big a deal. Um, and his explosiveness just doesn't tend to show out on a down-to-down basis. You know, it, it flashes. Like, you see it. You know it's there. I just – I don't know what the missing piece is there, and that's what concerns me with him. Yeah, no, that's 100% fair, honestly. I share a lot of the same uh, concerns with him. I think, you know, the base could use some improvement. And one thing to your point about acceleration, I think he's a very good athlete, especially for his size and his length. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he's going to test pretty well in the combine when it's all said and done. I think some of it is he plays a little hesitant sometimes. Yeah. That's that's what I I think. Yeah, that plays part of that uh, into, you know, not necessarily maximizing his athletic tools. And, you know, you mentioned the zone reads with Tyree Wilson. Uh, I see Miles Murphy doing the same thing. And he, you know, tends to struggle every once in a while when I watch him do that. Because, you know, he's got length, too. He's got speed, too. But I just think Tyree Wilson plays with his hair on fire. uh, And, you know, Miles Murphy, he's a bit more... Uh, he's more reactive than instinctive, I think, at this point in his career. And I, I think he's going to perform very well in testing. I think there, there, I think there's a good ceiling there regardless. Uh, if you can really hone in his craft, uh, hand placement, like you said, shown some flashes, not all the way there. Uh, he's going to be a first-round pick. I, I also have Tyree ahead of Miles Murphy. I think Murphy's a very good player, a very good prospect, but – uh, yeah, I think, you know, Wilson is decidedly above Murphy at this point. So, yeah, uh, I got a dude that I want to talk about here. And he went to the Senior Bowl and, you know, we're recording this during the combine. I don't know when this is coming out, but I think Keon White out of Georgia Tech is going to feast at the combine. You're looking at a dude who's just absolutely <laughs> massive for an edge rusher. He's like 6'5", like, you know, what, close to 290 something insane like that. Uh, Just incredibly well-built. He's the type of dude, you know, he can play inside, but with how athletic he is, I think he's really best off as a hand-in-the-dirt edge rusher. And I have in my notes here that he's been timed as an edge rusher at, you know, keep in mind, he's close to 290 pounds, rushing at 21 miles per hour, according to GPS speed, which to keep in mind, that's like wide receiver speed. And this is a, you know, a grown man who's just shy of 300 pounds. Uh, and he's had as many as 38 bench press reps, allegedly. So we'll, I did we'll not see. realize that. That's yeah, it's, insane. Yeah. yeah, that like really stood out to me because I was a little curious. I'm like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's raw, but he's got some really good tools. And then I look at the testing and I'm like, holy cow. So uh, someone's going to fall in love with this kid. So uh, I know I mentioned he's raw. I don't think he's got the most bend on as an outside speed rusher of anyone in this class. Uh, I think in terms of his finesse as a pass rusher and his hands, he he can work on his hand speed and how he strings together moves. But tremendous bulk, powerful frame, quick off the ball. There are instances of him dropping back into coverage and moving around in space, and he seems pretty fluid, which yeah. – that says a lot for about a guy his size. So I don't know how much he's going to contribute right away at the NFL level, but I think he's someone, you know, maybe in a Rashawn Gary sort of instance where you ease him into it in like a rotational role, like the Packers did with, uh, you know, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. 
and then you give Gary a chance to shine once he's had a chance to learn under some veterans. I think that's what you're looking at with Keon White. I see a lot of Rashawn Gary coming out of Michigan. So uh, I think he's going to be a first-round pick. He doesn't have a pure first-round grade off of pure film for me, but the upside's definitely there. Yeah, I mean, off of film, I'm looking at for him like probably a mid-second round grade, I think. Yeah. Let me see here. Actually, I got a late first on him on the film, yeah. but I still have to watch. I, I, I For my film grades, I have a numerical grade based on my tallies from the game of like dominant plays, good plays, neutral plays, bad plays, and really bad plays. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then I weigh it against just my eye test grade, like, like 15% versus like 25% for a total 40% grade on film. Okay. Uh, but – I just watched – I watched his game against Clemson just yesterday, and that one, it brought his grade up a little bit from where, where I had it before. I think it was mid-second before that. Um, but anyways, enough about my math grades. Um, <laughs> people don't tune in to listen to math. Uh, dude, this dude is like just some – Wow. Yeah. with explosiveness and strength like he just uh, one of my notes here is that um just brute force he yeah has some brute force in moments and there's moments where it's just like how's a guy that big explode like that off the football the issue is those moments are not always that close to each other right yeah. and it's like i think he, was he a converted tight end is that right Keon White, or am I getting mixed up with someone else? I'm trying to remember because I know there are there are a bunch of guys who convert positions nowadays. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Well, I okay. So he started off at Old Dominion as a yeah. Tight end, and then okay, that's where I was going. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And then he switched to D end, and then he transferred to Georgia Tech. Yeah, and so his this is a guy who is still learning the position. And I think that's clear on tape, and like. Some of the stuff, like when I was watching the game last night, that they, they they pushed him down inside quite a bit for that game against Clemson, yeah. and his base was narrow a lot of the time. Like he just he was not get he was it was, it was like he was more focused on the speed off the ball, and that narrow base kind of hurt him on occasion. Now he has the strength to probably get away with it, but still, you'd like to see him max that out. Um, but I mean. This guy's probably going in the first round after the combine. I, I have to imagine. And one thing that you you mentioned about him not having the best bend. I'm curious how many how many guys who really fit a four three defense do you think have really good bend as a defensive end? Because it's something that I've kind of noticed watching. It's like my expectation to bend for these 280 pounders is nowhere near my expectation for the 240 pounders. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's there's got to be some sort of curve there. Uh, when you're looking at bigger edge rushers, you know, more often they're not they're not going to be as flexible. Uh, you know, turning the corner on the outside. So there there are a couple guys who think you know project into a four three who I think can turn the corner fairly well. Uh, when you're looking at bend, most of the guys in this class, uh, most of the top benders, whatever, in uh, they project in a three four. Yeah. Just, you know, that's just a fact of, you know, you, this guy's lighter. He's more likely to be explosive. He's more likely to be flexible, uh, but he struggles against the run. So 
there are guys I think who can bend pretty well, uh, but not necessarily everyone is going to be a great fit in that sort of Chicago style defense. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One guy that I think kind of fits under that, you know, kind of undersized but flexible edge rusher category is uh, Nolan Smith out of Georgia. So he's someone that I'm a bit intrigued by. At least I don't know where he's going to go because, you know, he got injured in 2022 and uh, I believe it was a torn ACL. Let me double check that real quick. I want to say it was an ACL because I know it was serious. I know it ended his season. Uh, no, it was not an ACL. It was a torn pack. Torn pack in 2022. Okay, so I need to update my notes on that because I just had season-ending injury. But Nolan Smith, yeah, he's he's a smaller guy as an edge rusher. I have him in my notes as 6'3", 235. He's been listed as, you know, sh- not just shorter for an edge rusher, but undersized. And I think that that's probably going to limit how many teams look at him. But I think the teams that look at him as a scheme fit are really going to like him because of just how explosive he is. That first step quickness is absurd. I think he's one of the most explosive edge rushers in this class. His flexibility and his fluidity as an athlete are really impressive to me. You know, he can work across his body, can change direction. Uh, I think that makes him dangerous on stunts, just how well he cuts inside and sure he's not going to have the strength advantage on the guards that he faces but just how slippery and explosive he is you know it's going to make him a threat wherever uh he ends up so and for a guy who's like not that big he does a pretty good job of working off of blocks and uh you know freeing up his hands to disengage against the run he's skinny i don't think he packs much of a punch at the point of attack uh and i don't know exactly how many counter moves he really has in his arsenal but if you want speed at the edge rusher position and you want to try and say you really like Will Anderson, but you're not in the range to get him, I think Nolan Smith is a really good uh, consolation prize because it, it's similar skill sets to the point where, you know, he's not as good, but still very good athlete, very flexible, plays hard, doesn't have nearly the tool set as a pass rusher as a technician that Anderson has. But if you want to take a shot on that pure athletic upside, then uh, Smith's a guy that I think as late as round one, you start to consider. I have him as an you know an early round two because of his injury. But I think that a, a team who falls in love with him, who runs a base three, four would really be interested in a guy like Nolan Smith. Yeah. I mean, I, 
Dude, I I turned on his tape late and I was blown away by it. Like I yeah. think he is an outstanding football player. I oh, mean, yeah. he is sudden in his lateral movements. He's springy, just bouncing around gaps. Um, yeah. He sets the edge really well, especially for a smaller, like 235. Yeah. I, I, I look at what this guy looks like. I'm not sure he's 235. I feel like he's heavier than that. Like yeah. he is he is pretty filled out frame. And what that, that makes me start to get a little curious. Like I went back to his uh, – his recruiting profile coming out of IMG Academy, he yeah. was listed at 227. Mm. So you're telling me he's only put on eight pounds since 2019? Like that's that doesn't quite add up to me. Yeah, and if that's the truth, either, either he was a lot lighter than 227 coming out of IMG, or they have just not tried to add any mass to his frame, which is also interesting because it's like get him in an NFL locker room, a training regimen, diet. Like, I think you could beef this guy up to 250, 260. Like, you throw on that mask because he is one of the best athletes in this edge class, I think. Yeah. Just all around. Like, he's not as freakish as a guy like Tyree Wilson. We are talking about the – like, if there is one guy in this draft class who I think can physically become Khalil Mack – it's probably Nolan Smith is kind of the way that I see it. Okay. And not to say he will, but like if I had to guess one guy, it would probably be Nolan Smith. So I'm, I'm curious what NFL teams see him as and what they think the potential could be, because he's one of the smaller guys that I'm really interested in for the bears. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, watching off a of tape, he's an impressive athlete. and just a very good football player. Like you said, uh, it's going to be curious to see how the medicals turn out. Again, that's something we don't have access to. But, you know, by all accounts, you know, if things turn out well for him, I think round one's a likely possibility. And, you know, especially for a team who's contending, if you can get a guy with that high of a ceiling, like that's just that's a cheat code for you. Yeah. Like if you're the I don't know, I was going to say Chiefs, but they they just got Carl Loftus. But if they if they let Frank Clark go, I mean, love yeah. to have a guy like this or uh like the Bengals, I mean, they, I mean, both those teams were on a four-three, if I remember correctly. But still, like that value yeah. there would just be insane. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine George Karloftis and Nolan Smith rushing off the edge on the same team? Yeah, it would be insane. That's no fair. No fair. Uh, yeah. And I, I want to bring up a guy who I think has some similarities to Karloftis actually coming out, and uh, that's Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, and he's someone that. He's an interesting case because, you know, he's a, he's a local Chicago guy. So, you know, we got to have some sort of bias towards, right. you know, hometown, whatever. I didn't know that. Uh, I'm trying to remember where he's from. I want to say Barrington. I got you. I'll yeah, I, I, somewhere over there because I know a dude – I know a guy who plays with his younger brother because his younger brother plays ball right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, Barrington. Barrington, Okay. There you go. Yeah. Shout out Mustangs. Mustangs are Broncos. They're a horse. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I'll figure that out by the end of the show. But Lucas Van Ness, you know, just a big guy. He's got a lot of experience kicking inside, but I project him best as, you know, a base 4-3 type of defensive end. Uh, he's a productive player, and which is interesting because Iowa tend to rotate him a bit, and technically he wasn't like a full-time starter, so he didn't have – 
as high of a snap count percentage as some of the other guys in this class, but he's quick off the ball. He's a big dude. You know, he's listed at about six, five and two seventy, and we'll see exactly where he measures at a combine. But I, I don't think that's too far off from what I saw from him on tape. Yeah. And you know, for a bigger edge rusher, he's pretty flexible, you know, quick off the ball. Speed to power is very impressive. I don't know if you've seen it, Q, but there's the one play where it was against Northwestern, against Peter Skaronsky, you know, one of the top offensive linemen, if not the top lineman in this class. And Van Ness just absolutely obliterated him. Yeah, just ate him up with his length. And, like, just there was nothing – like, there was no chance once he got the yeah. hand on the chest. It's unfair. It's unfair. And, <laughs> yeah, no, I think – I think flexibility – is it's good for his size. I think he can improve that a little bit. Uh, again, an issue with some of these bigger guys is pad level is, you know, narrow base, you know, get generating more bend at the knees and the short area quickness, uh, you know, short area lateral agility, I think can improve a little bit, but I think the straight line speed is impressive. The length is impressive and the pure power that he generates is really good. So Again, he's another guy I think goes round one. Q, I'm curious where you have him uh, because I think there are a lot of good tools to work with with him. Yeah, I definitely think he has a lot of tools. Um, but overall, I end up with him somewhere in the mid-second round. Okay. And really, it's like I see the tools. I see the physical upside. He's strong. He's explosive. But he's just – all he's got is a bull rush. Yeah. You know, that's that that that's his that's all he really has. He doesn't even have any counters off of it, which, you know, he can develop them, which, yeah. you know, a mid second round pick is kind of what you expect. Right. Or in my eyes, like guy with upside, but who has work to do. He's not there yet, but he's getting he can get there in a year uh, yeah. with NFL coaching. Now, the first game I watched him against Michigan, I was more impressed by him. Uh, I really liked uh his hand placement with his length seemed like he was, he was really just hitting that chest plate a lot as a pass rusher and getting push and generating something off of it. Now, the second game I watched was him against Ohio state this year, working against uh, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones length was a little different for him. Yeah. He struggled more with it. He, he really just feasts when he has the length advantage is kind of where I ended up seeing. And because he's going to have a good power advantage just against just about anyone, maybe not advantage, but a, a good uh, opportunity to use his power just from being a defensive end going against an offensive tackle. You know, they're backpedaling and he's coming straight at them as long as he can get in on the chest. But he needs to find a way to win when he doesn't get in on the chest or to, you know, act like he's getting it, trying to get it on the chest and use it to his advantage or cut it, cut inside on inside move. I just needed to see something a little more. He sets a strong edge against the run. He does well there. He, he's got a solid anchor. It's not like he's getting blown off the football ever. So there's a lot to work with. I just don't think he's quite polished enough for me to see him as a first round pick. And that's, you know, just, I think, I think a lot of places have him as a first round pick right now. And I just, I'm questioning it a little more. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. I'm at the point I have a fringe round one, early round two. I think he'll get picked a little higher than where I have him ranked on my board. Because again, you've got a guy with tools and you know he doesn't necessarily know how to use them all the time. 
but those flashes yeah. of dominance are really impressive. So I think, you know, for the most part, we're, you know, on the same wavelength here. With yeah. Us. Uh, I think I might be a little bit higher on him, but you know, that's all right. And yeah. the, the, fa- the fact of the matter is we both think he has tools and I think it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, I think he's best in a base four, three. So yeah, I agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever purpose, uh, if the bears end up with like a second round pick and Van Ness is available there, I certainly wouldn't be all that upset with him as a pick. No, I wouldn't be upset with him by any means in the second. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take a shot on that for sure. Uh, a dude that I want to talk about here next is BJ Ojolari out of LSU. And he's someone I remember hearing like first round discussions about him. Like, Oh, this guy could be a top 10, top 15 pick. Uh, over the summer and I watched him and I'm like, okay, yeah, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if he's to that level. So he's someone that I see as more of like a round two type of guy Uh, would be more than happy with him. You know, if I were running an NFL team and I got Ojolari in the second round, I think that's totally fine. I think he's, you know, one of, at least in my opinion, one of the more flexible edge rushers in this class uh, I think he does a good job of staying low. Uh, he's got good hip flexibility, can really, you know, rip and dip well and take precise angles to the quarterback. Uh, changes direction pretty well. And I think, you know, that offers him space, whether you have him in coverage or you use him on stunts or, you know, you have him chasing down ball carriers in the open field. Uh, you know, he's quick off the ball too, which I think is, you know, a, a lot of athletic positives with BJ Ocelari and, uh, you know, his brother is Aziz Ojolari of the Giants. So if you're into NFL bloodline, you know, there you go. Uh, I think that Ojolari is at his best when a quarterback is out of structure. And I watch a lot of, you know, the first game I watched with, again, of him was uh, Central Michigan in 2021. And that was, you know, the first time I got my head, my, you know, notes on him because, that year, you've got Bernard Raymond and Luke Gottecki on that offensive line. So I'm like, oh, how can Olari do against these guys? So I saw some room for improvement. I think he needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, you know, 2022 showed some promise in that regard, but I still think he needs to, you know, get a little bit bigger and, uh, you know, iron out his arsenal as pass rusher. I think there are some times he tries to win with speed too much and, you know, doesn't really have a set plan of attack for, oh, what if this offensive tackle beats me to the outside? Then what am I going to do? It'll never happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that will happen more in the NFL than it does in college. So uh, I'm curious to see how he rounds out his game. He's an athletic pass rusher. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think he's a round two guy at this point. Uh, I have him around the same range, maybe a little bit under, say like a Van Ness or a Nolan Smith, but I think he's certainly intriguing. So I'm curious to hear what you think about him. Cause uh, I think that there are some definite uh, athletic tools there for him to work with. Yeah. So Oj- I was, I was not as high on Ojolari as I am now until about an hour ago. Okay. <laughs> and I watched his old mistape. I'd watched Tennessee and Florida prior to that. Tennessee, he, he was okay. Florida, yeah. he was good, but Against Ole Miss, which, you know, the quality of opponents going to make a difference going against, you know, Darnell Wright's a lot harder than going up against our, our – you know who Ole Miss's offensive tackles are? 
at a out, broker was playing guard, so yeah, it doesn't I, matter. I want to is Mason Brooks one of them? I th- might that might be, but uh, the, he's not Darnell Wright. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, no, neither one. Um, but watching this game and it kind something kind of hit me, and it was like the first game I watched. It was like the first half of the game. I was just sitting there going, like, "Come on, do something, do yeah. something," and then like. In the second half, he started to do a little more and a little more. And by the fourth quarter, he was making a lot of plays. Yeah. And the second game, I believe, went pretty similar. And today's game, it finally clicked to me that, like, I think he's setting guys up early in the game and not showing them what he's got. I think he opens his toolbox more and more as the game goes on, which is interesting because by the end of the Ole Miss game, he was just dominating. Yeah. and pulling out moves that you didn't see at all per- earlier in the game. And just, I mean, the ghost move that he has is filthy. Like that's his go-to, right? Everyone knows about that one. Yeah. Um, but it just, it felt like he flipped a switch in that, in the Ole Miss game, which I, I want to go and see another one to see if it happens again now, because I highly probably more than I should value a guy's ability to flip a switch and call game. I think that is one of the most elite traits you can have on a defensive line to just say, we need to make a play. I'm making a play and go actually do it. I think that that, like that, that is about as highly of a trade as I can covet. And that's what I thought I saw today. Um, I agree with most of what else you said. I mean, he, he gets washed out on the run sometimes and you know, he's, he relies on his speed too much. He likes to go around blocks, not through them. Um, which at his size, how can you blame him, especially with that speed? One of the things that's really cool to me with him is that at LSU, he wears number 18, which which is a big deal there. Um, So this is just a quote from Chip Kelly. Number 18 is the player who brings all those traits of someone who leads in an extraordinary manner. The attention to detail, great focus, represents the program in a positive way in the classroom, in the community, and on the field. His teammates, coaches, and the entire staff believe BJ embodies what the number 18 represents. He carries our traits of excellence every day on and off the field. Wow. That's something that's going to push this guy up draft boards, like just wearing number 18 at LSU. I mean, you look at the history of the guys who've done it. It's not a lot of big names outside of Tredavious White, but it's it's a lot of the guys who are probably like not going in the first round of NFL drafts. Like the other ones that stand out to me are Jacob Hester and Matt Mock, but that's it's not a long history of NFL success, but it's a long history of being an exemplary guy to have on your football team. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I'm getting fired up just listening to that. Honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm being more sold on Ojalari just hearing that quote. But uh, I haven't watched the Ole Miss game, so that's something I'm definitely going to have to get to. Uh, you know, once I watch a little bit more of Ojalari, I might be a little more high on him. Who knows? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, it took me till today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about another guy I think wins a lot with speed. I know you're high on him. I'll let you start with him, honestly. Uh, Will McDonald out of Iowa State. And, you know, the production's been there. And I just remember when we were down in the Senior Bowl, you were just – you were re- loving this guy. And, he makes you know, me I, wish the Bears switch back to a 3-4, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame you, honestly. So, yeah, no, I'm curious what your evaluation is on him. Yeah, I think he's got some of the best bend in this class, and it's gone – it's been hidden. 
for the last yeah. like two, three years at Iowa State because they're playing him at three tech, at two tech, at four tech. You know, at it, yeah. the widest he really got consistently was a five tech. He wasn't outside the tackle, but the tackle very often. Yeah. And we're talking about a guy who weighs 240 pounds wet. Like, and he was holding ground, he was holding his own working that five tech, four tech spots. Most often, that's where he was, yeah. which tells me a lot about the guy's ability to get into the blocker quickly, explosively out of a three point stance, which is just, you know, for a guy that size, hard to do and to control them with his hands and his hand placement you got to do everything right to be winning at that size at those spots and that's something he did now he's not gonna do that at the nfl level he's he's gonna be playing six seven nine tech like he's gonna be on the outside he's gonna be rushing the passer he's got good bend great speed um he can be a bit of a bull in a china shop sometimes where he's just almost gets a little reckless, but I mean, he plays with his hair on fire. You have to, to do what he did. And he's occasional lapses where I thought he was slow off the snap, but honestly it was probably because he's gassed because he's going up against guys a hundred pounds heavier than him. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's totally fair. And I agree with a lot of what you said there from an athleticism perspective, McDonald's one of the most fun watches at edge in this class. Uh, something I have in my notes that he in high school, in addition to football, he littered in basketball, baseball, and track and field. So that's that. that's some insane multi-sport value right there. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I think you know power can be a little bit of an issue, but then again, when you're playing inside against guys who are that much bigger than you, then there's going to be moments on tape where you get washed out. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more in the way of counter moves added to his arsenal, but. I love the athleticism. Uh, I'm curious where you have him from a grade perspective because I feel like there are so many edge rushers in this class where you could say, I mean, yeah, I could see him going round one. Obviously not all of them are, but I'm curious where you have McDonald here because I like him a lot, but I don't know exactly where he ends up. I've got him – based on the film, I've got him back half of the first round, but overall I have him – Early second round. Yeah. But like early to mid second round, somewhere around like 40 to 50. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's because he's, you're not going to put him in a 4 3. So that, that versatility, like it just knocks down his grade from late first to the, to the second. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. Uh, that's around where I have him too. I think round two is really the best value for McDonald. Early round two, mid round two. Uh, however much that, you know, schematic versatility knocks him down a bit. So another guy I want to move on to, and he's someone who played a lot inside of the senior bowl. And uh, I, I wish that Northwestern played him there a little bit more was at a Tommy at a And uh, I don't know exactly if you project him full-time inside. I, I, I listed him off the edge just for the purposes of this. Cause you know, he played, you know, a good amount, as you know, a base four three defensive end. Uh, but you know, he's just a dense dude, just from the way he's built. Yeah. He's thickly built and he has long arms. Like he's not even he's only like six two or something like that, but he's two eighty with really long arms. Yeah, it was like so, a six eight or six nine wingspan. Yeah, something insane. Like that's just a very unique build. Uh big fan of what he brings to the table. You know, he plays hard. You know, powerful does a good job of setting the edge as you know a five tech. Uh, I think he does a good job of stacking and shedding in the run game. Uses his hands well. 
Uh, I think that's, you know, a big aspect of, you know, why he's able to make some of the plays that he makes. And I don't know if he's ever going to be the type of guy to put together like fantastic numbers in terms of sacks and tackles for a loss. But I think he's the type of guy who's going to generate pressures at the next level. And uh, I remember I watched him against Ohio State in 2022. I think he only had like two tackles in that game. But I watched watching him on tape. He more than held his own against guys like, you know, Paris Johnson. Uh, and against uh, Dewan Jones, and when you play inside, you know, going up against like a uh, like a Matt Jones or Luke Weipler, guys like that, uh, it's a really good defensive line, uh, a really good offensive line for Ohio State, rather. And Adabare more than held his own. So uh, I don't know exactly where you have him uh, from a positional perspective. I think he's a day two guy, like maybe late, mid late round two, early round three, but I, I think he's an interesting case. Yeah, I mean, so I'll before the Senior Bowl, I watched one game of him, and I was I was not really impressed. Um, and, and it was twenty twenty one tape; it was the all twenty two I could get. Yeah. And I believe he's probably gotten a bit more refined in twenty twenty two. But um, my notes were powerful, long with a wild motor; like he is relentless. Yeah. which you'd love to see, uh, and violent. He is just violent just about everything he does out there, which yeah. I, I think he's best projects inside because and may, maybe it was just 2021 and him still being more raw, but when I watched him on the edge, I just I saw it was dancing, feet and hands just going all over the place with nothing really happening. Like yeah. just kind of standing in place doing that, trying to get the guy because he didn't have the speed to beat him around the edge. So he, had, he was trying to do other stuff, yeah. but just wasn't there. And really, I just I saw nothing outside of bull rush, which bull rush can be great, but I think it's going to play a lot better inside where he can just add one or two moves and doesn't need to develop a whole toolbox, especially when he has the length. I think he has the power to play inside more. Yeah. Um He's probably going to need to add a little mass just to hold up against the run better. But I, th- I think it's like a penetrating three tech. I can see it because I can see it his, his quick get off, that strength, that length, um, and being able to hold up against the run on the edge really well. So yeah. kick him inside, add a little weight. I think he'll hold up there okay. Um, I just watching that day, I just wanted him to do less. He was trying to do too much. It felt like all the time. It was just he it, running at a frenetic pace and just running a hundred miles to go 10 miles, you know, like it, it, that's what it felt like to me. Um, now I did watch hit the broadcast view of his tape from 2022 against Wisconsin just the other day and a lot less bad, a lot less bad, yeah. but there was a lot less good too. It was just kind of, it, it was just, he was there. That's all you could really say about him in that tape. So I think just based on the traits, the length, the power, the, the explosiveness, and just the, the motor on this guy, which is a big factor here for me of why he's still, why he's graded where he is. I have him uh, sitting at, let me double check it, mid third round. Okay. Right now. Um, but motor, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing, right? Guys who don't have traits who have a motor are still not getting drafted, you know. Yeah. But guys who have traits and a motor, it's like you know they have the, the the want to, and the work ethic, 
based on that motor and with their traits, it's like, you got to feel like they're going to get there eventually. Right. So that, that's kind of where I am with him. And he looked great at the senior bowl. So like, I, 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 I was kind of, I was shot. I, I, it was so different from what I'd seen on his film and uh, maybe I've just watched the wrong two games, but. <laughs> oh no, you're, you're totally fair uh, in that. And you know, for what it's worth, I watched, uh, I watched the broadcast version of his game against Nebraska to kick off the 2022 season. And, you know, when I watched that, I immediately noticed, all right, he's using his hands better than he did the year before. Yeah. Because, okay. yeah, I'll admit the only 2021 game I watched of his was against Duke. And I thought that, you know, he had a little bit of an issue, but 2022 did a better job of adding at least some, you know, finesse in his game. Uh, the power's there, but I think, you know, I saw a couple, you know, swipes, rips, swims, shucks, and stuff like that. Like he showed promise there. So, very interested to see where he lands because he's a very uh, – he's a unique player in this class, I believe. And the last edge rusher we have is someone that we're both in agreement didn't play as well at the Senior Bowl as we were hoping for someone with his pedigree. Uh, still very intriguing prospect from to a tool's perspective alone, and that's Andre Carter from Army. And I – I love the production that I saw from him in 2021. Uh, he finished with 14 and a half sacks and 17 tackles in his first season as a starter off the edge. Uh, just a lengthy dude. Uh, I don't have the exact measurements in front of me as I'm pulling it up right now because I got to be on that you know super speed demon sort of uh, situation right here. Uh, but I know that at a at Army, he was listed at 6'7 and 265 pounds, and he, he weighed less than that. So I have it pulled up here now. He's 6'6, 252, with 34 inch arms, which are, you know, some of the longest arms in the edge rushing class at the Senior Bowl, and an 82 inch wingspan. So there's some serious length there to work with. You know, one of the longest guys in this draft class in general off the edge. Uh, and I think the quickness in a stand-up role is impressive. Uh, but I'll admit, I was underwhelmed with what I saw from him in 2022. And it, it wasn't just from a stats perspective, because, yes, his sacks went down. Uh, but I think he's just skinny in his lower half. He's got the narrow base that we keep talking about. That's an issue for him. Uh, and I don't think he converts speed to power super well. I think you're looking at a guy who's got length, He's got quickness and he's got production. Uh, and at least when I watched him on tape, he's got some want to. But from a technical and from a strength perspective, I still think he's a work in progress. So I have him as like a mid to late round three type of guy. But I think he might go a little bit higher than that because of his production and because of the physical tools he has. So cue for our last guy here. I'm curious what you think of Andre Carter. Um, I'm seeing a lot of the same. I mean, he's a, he's explosive, brings the energy, has a little pop to his tackling, which I like. But what's weird is, he, so he brings a little pop to his tackling, but I'm not sold that he likes contact. There are, there are times where he could he he he's not jumping on the pile or like jumping in to help on a tackle. Um, and not to say that I don't think that his motor's there, because like his motor's there. It's just like he it's it's almost like he just sees it and his brain doesn't automatically go to jump on that guy, you know, which is just a little different. And he 
he likes to go another guy that likes to go around blockers, not through them. He really doesn't have the tools to go through them. I mean, I don't think he could play in a hand in the dirt right now without adding significant weight, just because the only way he gets through blockers is by having a running start, right? By, by, by that stand up stance, three steps, and then into the blocker. That's the only chance that he really has right now. Um, I'm interested to see how he grows, uh, how, how much stronger his lower half gets once he gets to the NFL, because I am wondering, I, I mean, I don't know anything about Arby's training regimen, but I don't imagine it's what Alabama's doing, you know, with the, as far as like the, the sports science and the, the uh, training details and the diet for their body type and that type of stuff. So I think there probably is some upside to him growing into his body more and developing it more. Um, but yeah, I want to see, I just want to see him get thicker and I want to see him just develop more. He's just, he's just so raw with his hands. So it stands straight up off the snap when he is in a three point stance. Um, even when he's not, and he, he's getting into guys, he's just very tall, which is going to be hard at six foot six or six foot five, whatever he is to, to get past, but he needs to get some better knee bend going and just work the leverage better. I think that he, he's, he is a hundred percent a traits projection to me, which is okay in the late third round, early fourth, where I have him ranked. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's pretty good, honestly, with, you know, both the analysis and where you have him. Uh, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm round three. That's where I have him right now. I can see him falling round four off just off a of film. Uh, but I think the tools will push him up a little bit to, you know, maybe early mid third, but uh, yeah, that's all we got on the edge rushers. Uh, thanks for watching. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Sorry we ran a little long, but we uh, we're just excited about the edge rushers. What can we say? It's a great class. I mean, honestly, I uh, I think that's an exception. You know, just watching these edge rushers, and we we can afford to go a little long on that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.